0: Do, uh keep your Bibles open there, won't you, um, at uh, uh, he, Exodus chapter 20, page 77. Um, if you didn't pick up a Bible on the way in, always a good thing to do, if they've not shoved one into your hands, then uh, go and get one, because uh, what's really important is that, is that we have the Bible in front of us. Uh, God has given me a gift and a, and a privilege and an honour of, of being a teacher, but, but it's important that you hear what the Bible is saying, not just what I'm saying, uh, so that you can test that word and, and see for yourself. So, so we're in this sort of most uh, famous probably part of the Old Testament. Uh, we're in if our, if you're visiting or if you've not been around, we're, we're doing a sort of helicopter ride across the book of Exodus, a high-speed journey through this remarkable book. And uh, we've arrived at, uh, at Mount Sinai. We've arrived at this uh, place where, where uh, God gives the Ten Commandments. And, um, you know, words have power, uh, to shape lives. Uh, words have power to shape the future. Um, on this Remem- Remembrance Sunday, uh, uh, a speech like that of Winston Churchill, do you remember, in 1940, that uh, continues to stir the heart. We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. It stirs the heart and, and, and stirred a nation. Um, words have power. to to shape lives Uh, of course the number of words is not always significant uh, and a clear indicator of the importance of the uh, the content a a few years ago an email circulated around the uh, uh, government departments in Washington Uh, this email read the Lord's Prayer 56 words the 23rd Psalm 118 words the 10 commandments 297 words the US Department of Agriculture order on the price of cabbage, 15,629 words. Uh, quantity of words is not always uh, uh, an indicator of the power and the content of the words. Uh, words have power. Uh, but of course, most significantly is who the words come from. And if the words come from a prime minister, well, then we listen carefully and, 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 uh, and they stir power, especially during uh, a wartime. And if it's the God who made the world, who sustains the world, who holds our lives in his hand, who uh, directs the world and, and gives us his word on how we should live in it, well if it's that God then we should be listening most carefully of all. And that's what we're doing this morning, we're coming back to this ancient text, 297 words, the Ten Commandments, and yet we come to a word today where God by his Holy Spirit who's with us addresses us and speaks to us. And so let's just pause, let's pray, let's ask that God would speak powerfully through his word into our hearts and lives this morning. Father, we, we thank you this morning that you give us the privilege of coming together in your presence. And we thank you that you promise that you come, you'll come and be with us. You are here by your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would address us through these familiar words, famous words, ancient words, yet you want to speak to us now, so please do that. Give us minds uh, alert, hearts soft, and willing to listen to you. For Lord, we ask it for our good, and we ask it for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, it seems to me as we come to these, these famous words, these ten commandments, there are Three responses, a response of thanksgiving, a response of obedience, and a response of humble trust in Jesus. Perhaps we can get the 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 slide up. First uh, slide, there's a couple of tablets. So here's the first response, maybe, let's have the second slide. Uh, We give thanks for the words of a God of grace. Don't worry if they don't come up. Uh, you know, I think the instinctive response when we hear the Ten Commandments, I, I guess the instinctive response is that is, is, is oh, we must obey these 10 commandments." And we'll get onto to that in a minute. Uh, but what is really important is that we understand the context of these 10 commandments. The, the, the context is one of full of grace. You know, the people of God, they come to Mount Sinai to receive these commands. And Moses goes up and then he comes uh, back down, and these are the first words that the Lord wants to hear. If you've got your Bible open, just look back to chapter nineteen. If we'd had time, we'd have read all of chapter nineteen as well. But uh, chapter nineteen, verse four. Have a look down there. These are the first words that God wants His people to hear. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This is his first words. He wants to. Yeah, I, you've seen how I have carried you on eagles' wings. And brought you to myself. All about what God has done for his people. A people helpless, hopeless in slavery have been carried out by God's amazing grace and initiative uh, and brought to himself. And and then as God gives the Ten Commandments, do you you see how they begin? Uh, Look just down at uh, chapter 20. How uh, We we heard God spoke all these words. Verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Is the reminder. God is saying, I've, I've done this. It, it wasn't anything to do with you. You didn't do anything. You didn't achieve anything. I have done this for you. And now I'm going to give you these Ten Commandments. So, so it's the context is all of grace. It's all of what God has done uh, for, for us. Before there was any talk of laws to obey or rules to keep, uh, the emphasis on God's grace and faithfulness. Because uh, you remember what we've seen, if you've been here through this little series, it began with God hearing their groaning in slavery as they cried out uh, from oppression. And then he raised up that saviour in Moses, that little baby, and he delivered that baby from death himself through that basket in the, in the river. Uh, and then he took him uh, to the, to the beer uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the palace. And then he, he, he took him into the wilderness to train him up and then he's brought him back and he's brought him back to the saviour and he goes to Pharaoh and he sends the commandment, the, the ten plagues, against Pharaoh and, and, and he judges the other gods and then he brings the people out. And then we saw uh, wonderfully the week before last how uh, in the Passover, uh, God rescues his people uh, through, that, uh, through the blood of the Lamb. He then takes them out uh, through the, the Red Sea. And then last week we saw wonderfully with Nats. If you didn't, weren't here last week, do, do look on, on YouTube. Listen to last week's sermon, it was brilliant, uh, around God's amazing provision, his his in, in the wilderness, food, water, bread, meat. In spite of the grumbling and complaining, God still is full of generosity. And so they've come to the, this foot of the mountain, all because of God's incredible grace and kindness. And now he gives them these commands. It's not just the context that reveals God's grace, it's the commands themselves that reveal God's goodness and grace. Uh, for two reasons. Uh, firstly, they, they reveal... God's character. So, as we look through these commands, they're there to reveal God's character, what He's like. Might want to pop up the next slide. Uh, He's saying that you know the the only true God. So don't try imitations. He's the God who's the Creator. So why would you worship any created things? Because He's the Creator. Uh, He's the God whose name is holy. He's a holy God. So so use that name carefully. He's the God who's designed us to find rest in him Uh, he's the God who's designed family and the value of family he's the God who gives life he's the rightful owner of life so 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 be careful not to take it he's he's a God of faithfulness so adultery appalls him he's he's a God of honesty and truthfulness so false witness is a terrible thing he's a God of who provides so that we can be content so we're not always looking elsewhere envying other people in these commands he's revealing his character the creator, the sustainer, the holy God, the one who uh, uh, will find rest. The God of faithfulness, honesty, truthfulness, provision, and, and kindness. So as we look down these Ten Commandments, they're revealing us who God is. We don't have to guess who God is. He's not out there somewhere. We don't have to sort of have this long search for God and work out and try and work out who he's like. He's revealed himself. Even three and a half thousand years ago in the Ten Commandments, he reveals his character uh, to his people. And then secondly, these are gracious, wonderful words to be given because they're God's design for life. They're how we can most enjoy life. They're how we can flourish in God's world. That's what the Ten Commandments are. In many ways, they're, they're, they're an instruction manual. You know, how to use well what, what we have. Of course... Um, you know, most people don't bother with instruction manuals these days, don't they? They're on online. You go to your YouTube kind of uh, how to do it thing. You or, or or most people these days try and make stuff that's intuitive, so you don't even need a manual, don't they? Like a a phone. You you should just be able to work out how to do it without actually having any instruction, or any manual. It just it it uh, it, it works it out and uh, for you. But um, I mean, yeah, some of you are laughing because that doesn't really work, and you get incredibly frustrated. Uh, uh, but uh, In a sense, that should be how the world works, shouldn't it? It should be intuitive. If God has made the world, we're made in God's image, we should correspond. We should work out how the world works. And in some ways, we do. We, we, we come into the world and we can enjoy the beauty of a sunset. We can enjoy the amazing things of the world. We we There's natural law. We kind of know right and wrong. And there's, there's this sort of natural stuff that's going on. In some ways, there's an intuitive kind of uh, learning around the world. Uh, but, of course, the world is distorted and broken and twisted by sin and suffering we are twisted and messed up our minds don't work as they should do and should have and therefore often there isn't that intuition often we we can think something is right we can even feel that oh that must be right and yet the bible says very clearly no it's not it's wrong we we need god's word to tell us how we should live in his world he's the maker he knows how it works and he knows how we should live to flourish in life and so he gives us his word graciously and kindly uh, take one example you know the seventh commandment do not commit adultery you have probably heard about the the 1631 print run uh, that went a bit wrong it was known as the it became known as the wicked Bible because they uh, they've, they've missed the knot on the seventh commandment it said thou shalt commit adultery and I gather the king hauled the printers into, uh, into his court and fined them 300 pounds and took their license away for uh, uh, gross incompetence. Um, but... The command says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Why? Well, not because God spoils our fun, not because uh, he, he says, You know, you have sex is within limits because, because, you know, I don't want you to just be having, enjoying stuff. You know, He gives His commands because He loves His people and He knows that adultery and He knows what, what, how awful the consequences are. He knows how it breaks people's hearts and it breaks families and it spins off into uh, children and, and grandparents and fa- friends who don't know how to handle it and, and he knows that uh, this is rubbish for everybody and so he says don't commit adultery because he loves us and these, what are these commands are here for, they're commands because he loves his people, he wants us to live well in his life, in his world uh, God gives us these laws out of love for us. Now, uh, of course God is incredibly gracious when we mess up, when we break these laws, when, when, when uh, we get hurt. Uh, wonderfully God is gracious. There's, there's always an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, but a fence at the top of the cliff is better. And the commandments are here as the fence to say, this is how you can be safe. This is how you can enjoy life. This is how you enjoy the view. Uh, oh, when you break them and when you fall, I'm, I'm there waiting. I'm there with arms of love and comfort. I'm there with arms of forgiveness and grace. I'm there to comfort you if you're in your, in your sorrow. Uh, but stay at the top. Behind the fence. The fence is there for our good, for our safety. Gracious words from a gracious God, the the Ten Commandments. They reveal what he's like. They reveal how we should live in his world and how we can enjoy living in his world. Uh, They're for the good of God's people and they're for the good of others. Um, So verse 19, verse 5, just look down at 19, verse 5. He says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, covenant, then out of all the nations you'll be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. What God was saying is, look, if you live like this, I'm going to take you into the promised land. If you live like this, then, then you're going to be my treasured possession. And you're going to be a kingdom of priests. That is, you're going to mediate my goodness to the rest of the world. And that's what Israel were always supposed to be. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. They were supposed to be a people who shone out so that others would come and see that God is good, that their God is the God who who they should come and worship. That's what God wants uh, for us. He gives these words to his people graciously to reveal his character so that they can enjoy life, flourish in life, and that they can be a people that shine out into the world, reflecting God's character to others. Oh, this is uh, uh, words of a gracious God and we, we should be thankful for these, these commands. It's our first response, I think, the first right response. Uh, there is a second response, though, and that is one that we might expect, which is to obey. To obey the words of a holy God. His gracious character is wonderfully evident here. But so too is his holiness. Especially if we'd read chapter 19, uh, we see God's holiness. We see his transcendence, his purity, his perfection, his otherness that makes people fall on their faces, that makes people tremble with fear. And we must not miss that in our culture of intimacy, of love, of informality, of of of, of, of wanting everything to be nice and calm and comfortable, we must not miss the holiness of God. I mean, we see it, if you read through chapter 19, the, the way they, the people have to be consecrated, set apart, before they uh, go anywhere near uh, meeting with God. They have to have their clothes washed in a symbolic way of purity there's strict limits put up around the mountain. They said, oh, just do not go near this mountain uh, because it is a holy mountain. I mean, once it's the Mount Sinai, it's just a bit of rock, like every other mountain. It's just rock, but because God is present on this mountain, it is a holy mountain. And there's a warning not to come near or they'll die. And as the Lord comes, there's, there's thunder and there's lightning. And thick cloud and loud noise, there's smoke and there's fire and the people tremble. And here is a holy God. There's no mistaking that. Here's a God who is not to be toyed around with, not to be uh, played with. This is a God who is not to be mocked. A God who is not to be treated simply as a, uh, someone there, as an accessory to our, our lives. Here is a God who is to be listened to. Friends, we must not lose this right fear of the Lord. It's great to sing of his compassionate, gracious nature, his truth. He's revealed him, his grace is revealed here. Uh, but, but the words of a holy God are to be listened to and obeyed. I mean, the people were in, in no doubt about that. Look at, at the end, we had those verses read at the end of chapter twenty. Verse eighteen: When the people saw the thunder and the lightning, they heard the trumpet, saw the mountain in smoke. They trembled with fear, and they stayed at a distance. And they said to Moses, "You go and speak to us yourself, and we'll listen. But don't let God speak to us, or we'll die." I mean, this is serious stuff. If you're someone who wants to hear God speak to you, be careful. God is a holy God. Uh, these words are uh, words of a holy God to be obeyed. They're, they're not a discussion document. They're not, as uh, as Billy Graham once put it, he said, they're, they're the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. I mean, these are words from the living God, spoken to his people. Uh, we haven't got time to look at them one by one. We, we've sort of glanced at them uh, as we looked at his character and, and, and so on. But people have... You know, it suggested that the first five of these ten commandments are on that vertical axis. They're our relationship between us and God. Uh, the second five are uh, on the horizontal axis, our relationship with each other. And that's how Jesus summarized them, didn't he? He said there's two commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's thinking of the first five. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He's thinking about the second five. Uh, but all ten are spoken by God to Moses for his people. People say to me, oh, I I try to keep the Ten Commandments. I sort of say, which ones? They say, well, they couldn't remember more than one or two. Don't don't murder, don't commit adultery. And, and of course, we kind of understand the horizontal ones, but the first five come first. They're the vertical ones. Our relationship with the living God. We're not at liberty to choose the ones we like and leave the others. It's not like an exam paper, you know, the ten questions, choose three. Uh, They're all ten. They're all commands from the living God. And the people were left in no doubt, and neither should we be. These are words from a holy God, who will one day call us to account before him. And you might say, well, you might be thinking this. I hope you are, in one sense. But hang on a minute, we're, we're not in the Old Testament anymore. We are Christian believers. Uh, so are we still expected to obey these? Aren't they out of date? Haven't they been superseded by Jesus? He just gave the two. And, 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 and so uh, my answer would be this, that when we come to the Old Testament, we always read it through the eyes of Jesus. Christians, we, we, we're not Jewish believers, uh, we're not there on the Mount Sinai, we are uh, where we are now as Christian believers. And so we read our Old Testament through the eyes of Jesus, through the eyes of the New Testament, Jesus and his apostles. And you'll find as you look through the Bible, as you look through your New Testament, that nine of these ten commandments you'll find in the New Testament reinforced by Jesus or by his apostles. Uh, nine out of ten of them. And therefore their validity continues as commandments that we obey because God has given them to us to obey. The only one you won't find is, is the Sabbath commandment. Uh, that clearly finds its fulfillment in the New Testament in the, in the book of Hebrews, in our Sabbath rest, uh, which points to the future rest of heaven. And we've got to set our hearts on that. And yet there's still relevance, even if we no longer have Saturday and have no longer have a, a command, deliberate command of, 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 of Uh, the Sabbath, there is still a very important principle that God gives because he loves us of one day rest in seven, uh, which is good for us, good for the way we function in the world and we'll honour him. Uh, Obedience isn't popular, it doesn't go down well, I realise that, even not in the church, but God is holy. He is to be rightly feared, he is the ultimate authority in the universe. His words are to be listened to carefully and obeyed not mine not yours not anybody else's but his words because of who he is and because he loves you because he loves me he's giving us these words because he's so full of grace and kindness that he wants us to live life well but here's the big problem Uh, this is the last uh, response because because by nature we don't do them well not all of them and not all the time in fact, by nature, we can't obey them. You know, we can be optimistic. Just look back at, uh, if you've got your Bible open for still, at 19, verse 8. God gives these, and the people all respond together. We'll do everything that the Lord has said. You know, they're so enthusiastic. They're there. They've been taken out there. At the mines, they've heard the commands. They, they say, we're going to do everything. We'll do it, Lord. And, and, and of course, we know the story of Israel, don't we? Well, most of you know the story of Israel. They don't do it. They don't obey the commands. They get into the promised land and they, 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 um, they start worshipping other gods. And they don't care for the poor and the needy. They don't care. They're not content. They envy and they, 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 they don't live as they should. And instead of being that light to the Gentiles, in the end, they become this darkness, which in the end is expelled from the, from the land. Uh, and so, however much we, we sort of seem we want to do it, we, we can't do it. And so what is the answer? Well, the wonderful answer is to trust in Jesus uh, who fulfills these words for us. Do you remember early in his public ministry, Jesus said, he he didn't say, uh, um, you know, forget that Old Testament stuff now. He said, uh, don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus has come, takes the Ten Commandments plus all the laws, and he lives them out perfectly in a way that none of us could and no one else did. Jesus lives this law perfectly, flawlessly, in letter and in spirit. And he invites us who are far from perfect to share in his righteousness, to share in his purity. That's what happens through his, his death on the cross. Uh, he takes our sin, our failure to keep these commands. Uh, he, he takes it all and he carries it on the cross judgment we deserve for disobeying the words of a holy and righteous and pure God he carries them for us so that when we come to him we can be forgiven and receive his perfect righteousness it's what Martin Luther called the great exchange he takes our sin and our disobedience and our lack of righteousness and he gives us his purity and his perfection and his perfect obedience of these commands Uh, We look to Jesus, we trust him, he's fulfilled these words, he's done it for us so that we can stand holy before God. Uh, And that's what makes us very different to to these Christians or these God's people. They weren't Christians but they were God's people believing there at the mountain. Uh, See they had to stand at a distance. They, they had to stand away, fearful of a holy God. Don't let him speak to us, Moses. You go and speak to him. We mustn't come near the mountain. Uh, but the Bible wonderfully says we draw near to God. The book of Hebrews, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance of faith. We come close because of Jesus. Uh, they, they couldn't listen to God uh, directly. They had to have a mediator. They had to have Moses. But we listen to God directly. We come to Him. We 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 have our Bibles open. The Holy Spirit comes. He illumines our minds. He draws us. We can hear the very voice of God uh, ourselves, rather than having to have a, a mediator of Moses. They might have had that desire. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this, Lord. We, we're gonna we're gonna do it. Uh, and but they couldn't. But we have resources that mean we can. Doesn't mean we will every time because we, until we get to heaven, we're not going to be perfect. But but God has not just given us his word, he's written the law on our hearts and he's poured his spirit into our lives as Christians so that we have power now to obey. We have no excuse. We can't say, oh, I couldn't do it. No, if we keep in step with the spirit, if we uh, walk with him closely every day, uh, he enables us to live out this this life, which is not just uh, for obedience to God because it is the best life and a life for us. And like them, they had an opportunity to be this treasured possession, this holy nation, shining as a light, Uh, they failed. But in Christ, we the church have this privilege now. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, uh, Peter writes, he says you, to the church, you are the chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, a treasured people belonging to God. So now as a church, we've got this privilege. If we live out God's word, if we shine out God's word, uh, we can impact and influence uh, our area, our neighbors, our friends. Of course, if we don't, if we just live as, as, as just like the world, we'll just look like the world and, and no one will, uh, and God will take that away. He'll take the light away, as he did with Israel. But he calls us to be this light that shines. Ten Commandments, God, words of a gracious God. Let's be thankful to God for, for his amazing gift. This is how we can live, this is how we can enjoy life and flourish in life. The words of a holy God, let's be careful not to mess around with God. To treat him uh, as though he's just you know, an accessory, an extra in our lives. Until we give an account for our lives before him. Just remember He's a holy God, a gracious God, a holy God. And then let's allow these words to lead us to Jesus bring conviction in our hearts, that's what the law does, and to come to Jesus who fulfills them for us, who's died for us, who gives us uh, forgiveness and freedom, who gives us his spirit uh, so that we can live for him. And let's pray that as that happens, we will become this light as we live and share the good news of Jesus in Surbiton and through our mission partners in the the world. uh, Let's pray that that spirit would allow us to be distinctive and holy and life-giving to others. Well, let's uh, pray as the uh, musicians come forward, as we uh, move towards responding with thanksgiving and, and praise. Let's, just, let's pause for a moment uh, in God's presence, just a moment for you to, yourself to respond. Perhaps you've been complacent and you need to return with repentance to To this holy God. Maybe you just need to give thanks for his words to us. Maybe you need to determine, maybe there's a particular area of your life where you're living in disobedience and you know that the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on it and he's calling you back. Father, we thank you that you are a God who has set his love upon us. You love us more than we can imagine. So you've given us your word that we might live life well, safely, we might enjoy life, flourish in the world that you've made. And Lord, we thank you that in your grace you've revealed how we might do that. We pray that you would guard our hearts and our lives. Lord, keep us coming back to Jesus to find hope, forgiveness, grace, And empower us with your spirit that we might live for you and shine in your world. Oh Lord, do it for your glory we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.